E-scooters, one year on. Are we any further forward? This is Wheel Life. Legal reflections on vulnerable road users. The podcast where two experienced lawyers, who also happen to be enthusiastic cyclists, chat their way through topics concerning cyclists and other vulnerable road users from a legal and insurance perspective. Hello, I'm Caroline Hall of DAC Beechcroft Solicitors. Hello, I'm Emily Formby from 39 Essex Chambers. Today, we're having an updated discussion about e-scooters to see if anything has changed in the last 12 months since we last had a little conversation about them. Oh, but Caroline, it's not been a year since we've spoken about them. It's been a year since they had their whole own episode. (laughs) I think if we have any dedicated listeners, they will find that e-scooters have been mentioned once or twice. But this is your bonanza episode, especially for you on a plate. E-scooters galore. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very glad it's Friday today and um, moving forward into the weekend after the, we finish recording today. So um, how, how about you? How's, uh, how's life? I hear you've been doing some market research for us, Emily. Oh, I have. So, so yeah, so it's um, January 2022. We're recording this, that start of our 2022 wheel life. And I thought over the Christmas break, I would show my dedication to the pod. And I have done some research by signing up for the voice scooters in Oxford. Um, Uh, which has been a really interesting experience. I mean, firstly, um, you have to, as we know, but I mean, it is is a somewhat arduous signing up process because you have to give your driving licence and all your details in order to trigger the um, concomitant insurance um, and photos and so on and so forth. Um, And then, well, I I had a crack at it. And as you know, I mean, I'm a keen cyclist, love cycling, cycle all around London, cycle all over the place as, as my sort of main form of transport, not up and down mountains like you, but forgetting from A to B. And it's not just uh, pedal cycles, you use electric bikes as well. Oh, I love an electric bike. Yes, but I mean, I'm a great one for hiring and, um, you know, Santander or Lime bikes or, you know, any bike or my own bike all over the place. That's my main form of transport. And so I thought I'd give the e-scooter a crack. Well, all I can say (laughs) is it's a slightly different experience. I found them incredibly uh, difficult to ride and frankly, quite terrifying actually it's um, a very strange experience so how does it if you compare it to riding a bike in a in a in oxford versus riding um an e-scooter in oxford what what are the main differences you've discovered exceedingly unsafe feeling so when i'm on it i feel like i am going to overbalance at any moment it's um got a very very low balance center and it's incredibly heavy so with a bike you know you can put your foot down really easily um and brake and um lift your bike or shift your bike with an e-scooter um it's actually i mean i have to get off it and use both my hands under it to kind of heft it round and it's not easy on the road it has a very 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 wide turning circle so to kind of if you're going along the road and you want to turn left at a right angle turn you know on a sort of minor road um you kind of have to sweep out to the side in order to achieve it unless you feel like you're overbalancing now it might just be that i am an exceptionally bad scooter rider but if i'm meant to be one of the sort of and you see i also think everyone looks at me you know this middle-aged lady on a scooter as if to say what on earth are you doing because you're not young and wearing you know kind of street clothes and looking hip and um it's a, it's a really different demographic of rider so oxford as you know is a big cycling city and there are lots and lots and lots of cyclists and they go from a massive age range from you know 
tiny kids off to school to octogenarians still weaving their way on the bikes. And the demographic for these e-scooter is much, much, much smaller. Um, and I think I am significantly the oldest person I've seen on a scooter. But it's um, it feels quite wobbly. So it's very difficult to take. I, I can't take one hand off the two handlebars, whereas you can easily with a bike. Um but it is quite fun. I have to say it is also quite fun. I have found myself, although my heart is slightly in my mouth, being quite keen to take one. Um, the other thing is it's very big brother. It won't let you park if it doesn't like how you're parking. It won't let you stop if it thinks it's the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And it turns itself off at night. So I was coming back from the station quite late and I thought oh, I'll get a scooter because I can get home you know, more safely and more quickly. And they said, we've all gone to sleep. <laughs> so I had to walk home. Well, that's to do with the curfews. I think we've potentially mentioned them before to stop uh, drunken people going around on e-scooters in the evening. So, um, and what you were saying about them uh, not being able to be parked in certain places. Uh, I don't know if you probably haven't knocked one over, but you'll see written on the bottom of a voice scooter is the word help me um and it's to write it again um and put it in a in in a correct place but um just linking into that voy haven't had the best of christmas periods because on uh, new year's day in bristol they had a major fire at one of their storage depots which took out um a couple of hundred i think it was yeah 200 scooters um were caught up in the blaze um which i think it took the firefighters something like four hours to put out yeah. Because because of the lithium batteries involved, they had to stand back and let it burn for quite a while before they could um, get about uh, put it putting the fire out and deciding what to do next. So it's not they've not had the best start to the year in Bristol. I would just also want to say that my experience happens to be Envoy, but I'm not saying you know any others are better or worse. Oh, no. I just haven't had a chance to have a go on others. Um, and one thing that uh, that is notable as well is the ban on, on e-scooters on the tube now. You can't take them, you know, private or, or public. There's big signs saying e-scooters banned because of this fire risk. And that's something that goes across the whole uh, range of them and is clearly an issue going forward. Yeah, no, um, that was back in December there was a fire on uh, one of the um, tubes and th- there was video uh, on the news about it. I think they'd also had a fire in a, in a lost property unit. Um, and an anecdotal story of speaking to a friend of mine who's a, a traffic police officer, if they seize any e-scooters, they aren't allowed to keep them in the police station. They have to have them picked up by their recovery agents straight away and taken to their storage depot so that they're not stored in the police station. Again, I think going back to the fire risk um, and I'm wondering if insurers are the ones that are flagging that saying we don't want you storing them in the buildings. Well, that is interesting, isn't it? And I think, um, uh, I mean, another important element is because, of course, part of the drive for e-scooters is to help the environment and reduce our reliance on on motor cars and and on carbon fuel. Um, Of course, lithium does not come without a cost to the environment and uh, the extent to which one's sort of shifting a problem from uh, fuel to um, lithium is something that I'm sure will also be important to bear in mind. One of the the stats I saw in a Guardian article from the back end of last year was the Royal Society of Chemists were saying that unless an e-scooter was used on a daily basis for many years um, for it to replace a car and the impacts on the environment, it was ultimately going to be seen as more damaging um, and have a higher carbon cost from the manufacturer as well as the mining of raw minerals. So there's quite a lot of different aspects feeding into e-scooters. It's not just safety and legality it's what we were just saying about the environmental impact as well because one of the 
I think the other one of the other concerns that's coming out is that people and the, this this is if we go back to the um, why e-scooters are quite the big deal is at the back in uh, 2020 during um, when we were coming out of the pandemic it was decided that trials would be begun for e-scooters to see whether or not they should be legalised um, and looking at them as an environmental and a healthier way for people to move about um, post-pandemic. What what seems to be coming out from the data, and all of this data will start coming out this year um, because it's been gathered for the last 18 months, uh, well, will be 18 months probably by the time it comes out, is that people who w- might previously have cycled or walked or even used public transport with however many other people on a bus are actually now using e-scooters instead and as a result that health benefit of walking cycling um is being removed yeah well that is that is also really noticeable you just stand still on your e-scooter and even with an e-bike you're moving and you're putting in some input uh so so that kind of um, health benefit is missing and i think what's also interesting some of the um information which is starting to come through and a lot of it's been anecdotal but it's starting to be gathered and collated is uh that the impact of um an accident either to you or to someone else of an e-scooter is markedly different from obviously from a pedestrian but also from a bicycle as well i mean i think um uh, was it the um, Guide Dogs Association? They had some independent testing which showed that a pedestrian hit by an e-scooter at 15 and a half miles an hour could suffer a fatal injury. And, and we know from the kind of um, governance that um, the, all the kind of 20 years plenty um, legislation that, um, you know, coming down to 20 miles an hour was thought to be a very significant speed reduction. But for the sort of the weight of the e-scooter or perhaps or the, the, the mechanism of the propulsion, you know, that, that that's actually significant even at a lower pace well that that feeds into the other data um that that has been being collated by the parliamentary advisory council for transport safety um pacts um and they have been they've decided to do their own data um collation separate to the government data which is going to come in from the e-scooters themselves and from the companies um they will be feeding that back for the overall look before before they decide how legislation is going to be formed. But the PACS data, they've been pulling it out. They've been looking at newspaper articles. They've been looking at online stories. And they've got an online, they've got an ongoing spreadsheet, which they keep adding any stories in that show accidents involving e-scooter riders, whether or not they be through trial e-scooters or through illegal e-scooters. Um, and I don't know, before we go on to that data, whether or not it's just uh, worthwhile standing back and going, just explaining the difference again between legal and illegal e-scooters i was going to say actually um, i mean so the first i was going to say perhaps we ought to say the parliamentary advisory council pact uh, is a registered charity although it's got parliamentary in its name it's an independent group that provide um sort of information to the all-party parliamentary group for transport safety but they don't have a political bent they have an advisory bent but absolutely right i think um uh, just to remind ourselves e-scooters are e-scooters but not all e-scooters are the same um and they broadly divide into private and public and of course the first um thing is the public ones which are the ones being used as the um trial bikes are the only legal e-scooters you can use but there's also quite a lot of difference in the way they're built isn't there yeah um because they are being used in the trials um what what uh, the government have asked for the providers is they've got to be a lot sturdier they're independently tested they've got braking they've got lights um you'll see them 
in all the different cities we talked about before, you've got Lime, you've got Dot, you've got different ones, Bolt. Um, the independent, sorry, the trial e-scooters all tend to have independent brakes. They're stability tested, so they can go across potholes uh, in roads. Um, they've also got lights that can be seen quite some distance away. Private e-scooters tend to have smaller wheels, one handbrake, and they're not. They're, they're said not to be fit to be used on roads and cycle lanes, but they also may not have lights integrated into them. On the other hand, private e-scooters as well have no don't tend to have the same uh, speed restrictions on them the trial e-scooters are it depends on the area some areas um, london in particular have restricted the speed to about 12.5 miles per hour other places they're at 15.5 miles per hour and you might have discovered emily in oxford if you go into certain areas there are that are high um, pedestrian density areas the uh, the speed will drop down even further um, so they are restricted in terms of the speed the private e-scooters I I, you, I can't say sky's the limit, but they can go quite a bit faster than 15.5. And of course, if it's your own e-scooter, people are able to adapt them themselves. And, and, and even if there's a sort of manufactured limit, they're able to, if they wanted to, do something about that. But um, all of those things are correct. But the first thing also to note is that it's illegal <laughs> to ride a private e-scooter um, anywhere other than on private land for which the um, permission has been given by the owner. Yeah, it's and I think there's a lot of confusion in this country and uh, just before Christmas there was quite a lot of in the newspapers the Met Police had written to a shop saying please can you remember when you're selling these to people to tell them that it's illegal to ride them on the roads Um, because it's not illegal to sell them but it is illegal to ride them on the roads so you can understand why people the average layperson might be a bit confused. Absolutely. I mean, and it's interesting whether or not you would be able to go further and say, if you're not warning people about where they can use it legally, you're knowingly encouraging someone to break the law um, and and seek to enforce something via the vendor. But the fact is, it's not very clear to most people. And, and they were talking about, you know, vast numbers being given as Christmas presents. Um, and you can see from the streets, they're being used with impunity. Yeah, well, one of the stats I saw was some Something like 22,500 trialee scooters on the roads across all of the cities, um, but they reckon up to half a million illegal e-scooters on the road so there's quite a difference between the legal and the illegal ones and the illegal far outrank the the, the legal trial ones um, and I was out on my bike on Monday Tuesday lunchtime and I was cycling on the Bristol to Bath cycle path and I could see a police officer on a bike ahead of me. Um, we've got bicycle um, police officers that go up and down the cycle path because there's, there's been some issues. And I couldn't see what he was doing. And as I um, overtook him, he was um, booking a, an illegal e-scooter rider. He had his uh, little palm pilot out and he was quite clearly giving a ticket or I'm not quite 100 percent certain. He definitely didn't seize the e-scooter, but he was taking her details down. Uh, as I cycled past later, she was walking off with her e-scooter next to her, pushing it along, looking rather grumpy, and he was watching her walk off. So the police are stopping and um, giving people warnings and in a lot of cases seizing e-scooters as well. So the Bike Association is estimated from 2020 there are about 36,000 private scooters bought and far more bought in 2021. So if you are booked, what's the penalty that you get for your private e-scooter on the road? Well, you can face up to a fine of up to £300 and six points on your driving licence. 
So even if you are on an e-scooter, if you have a driving license, you can still get the points against your um, your driving license. But we see a lot of young people riding them as well who probably don't have licences. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, that's quite that's some quite sort of telling penalties. I don't suppose there's any statistics yet telling us how many penalties have been issued or what that kind of penalty rate is in, in terms of enforcement. I haven't got anything up to day in front of me at the moment i can tell you that um for example in a seven day period in liverpool um back at back in i think it was the end of summer last year a thousand riders were banned in just over seven days so that is quite a hefty penalty that you can face even if you didn't have a driving license um and while we might not know the extent to which those um, penalties are being enforced, we are starting to get some data about accidents and injuries as well, aren't we? I mean, I can understand that the uh, PACs had recorded something like 100 casualties involving an e-scooter during the first 10 months of 2021. Um, Given that quite a bit of that time we were uh, in lockdown, um, that possibly would be higher in a normal year, Uh, 20% of those were riders involved in single vehicle incidents having lost control of the device. So basically people like me who wobble and fall off and then struck an an object. Uh, 10% were other vulnerable road users, so mostly scooters going into pedestrians. Um, And obviously not all the details were available, but about a third of those riders suffered serious injuries and 10% of those were head injuries. Uh, So that's quite, you know, that's quite a high proportion of of, uh, accidents already. And nine deaths have been reported in the media over a 10-month period. I mean, who knows, there may well have been more that haven't been reported or come to light yet. But that's some of the statistics starting to come through. Yeah, and that's, uh, in terms of those nine deaths, some of them um, have been involving other vehicles where e-scooter riders have come out from behind vans and have been hit by cars. But also, um, I was just reading one this morning about a young guy who ended up being catapulted into it. He went into a tree and the handlebars of the tree, uh, sorry, handlebars of the tree, the handlebars of the e-scooter were pushed back into him and caused such internal damage that that's how he ended up dying. So there was nobody else involved by the looks of things. He lost control, went into this tree Mm. and it was the injury from the e-scooter and the combination with the tree that that killed him. So, as you said, it's a combination of other road users, but also use. Not, I don't want to say user error, but um, people having issues with these scooters, either falling off, falling into tree, going into trees, or other. Um, issues. Yeah, that is very interesting. I mean, it's very interesting. And I think one of the other things that's coming out is that people really aren't using helmets very often. And I think that slightly also feeds into perhaps a longer term consideration of what e-scooters are for or how we use them. Because that sense, you know, if you, you ride a bike and you're going to have some physical exertion, a lot of people uh, put on special clothes but you know and you don't have to but you know, you know you're going to be doing something and sort of picking up a bike lock picking up a helmet picking up a high-vis jacket and making your journey is 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 not an uncommon thing to do whereas the e-scooter is meant to be that thing of you're walking along and then you think oh I'll just pop on the e-scooter and ride for a little bit and then I'll walk along again um, and you know having a helmet on on hand requires some planning so it's not surprising i suppose that that um that sort of anecdotal understanding is is coming to bear that not many people are wearing helmets when they are riding their e-scooters yeah one of the comments within the pax report is from um uh, i think it's a neurosurgeon who's um seen these cases coming through the uh through hospitals um and saying that the the head injuries that they're seeing are akin to people who are involved in more serious uh, motorbike accidents 
evidence that, that this is the kind of head injury that they're looking at. Um, and so whilst we're, we're listing fatalities here, seriously injured, um, the government were estimating about 253 were seriously injured, um, with 675 slightly injured. So um, definition of seriously injured might change between our view of what seriously injured is and the government's might be slightly different. But if you've got people, young people or anybody having a brain injury from using an e-scooter, that's going to have a lifelong impact. And, and we know from our work that you can be discharged from a sort of clinical treatment um, and have your broad functional capacity returned, but still have significant um, loss of your um, overall abilities from a head injury. And, um, um, you know, that kind of, you could see it being signed off on the stats, but still, from a compensatory point of view, having a significant impact. Yeah. Um, So where are we at at at, at the start of this year? We've got Lots of anecdotal evidence about injuries. We've got um, anecdotal evidence about millions upon miles um, have been used. Um, All of the different companies keep putting out how they've hit these targets and lots of people are travelling on the e-scooters. But what what does it mean moving forwards in terms of legislation? Um, And one thing that I was going to flag mainly before we discuss what we don't know what's going to happen in this country (laughs) at the moment is in the Republic of Ireland, they're actually a few steps ahead of us. But They've, it's a very, it's a very chicken and egg situation. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. In England, we've done some trials to put some data together before legalising. In Ireland, they've done no trials whatsoever. They're looking to legalise, and then they're going to have some trials afterwards. So they are at the moment the road traffic and road bills, road traffic and roads bill, 2021. Um, which deals with powered personal transporters, which is the new category they've come up with for e-scooters. It's passed the first two stages of scrutiny without a hitch, and it's going before the Senate for approval shortly. Um, And they've got a definition of what a personal transporter will be. Um, And in that bill, there's no requirement for tax or insurance. It's setting an age limit of 16, um, and they're expecting that law to come into force at the first half of this year. Um, But very limited trials have taken place or I think there's one trial in Dublin and that's it so Hmm. that's very different to where we're at in England which is a year and a half's worth of trials um, and still no legislation on the horizon the trials that were meant to finish in the summer last year were then extended to, to March 2022 this year some of those trials have been extended even further through to November of this year um, and whilst I know that the Lords were debating e-scooters yesterday I don't quite know the outcome of those debates or where we're going to where we're moving towards. Well, I mean, I guess since the sort of nature of their debate was asking the government what plans they had for further regulation, <laughs> I suspect they may have had a similar conversation as ours, which is um, it's all a bit circular and not much has happened yet. Um, I mean, we know we know there's increasing use. We know there's increasing data. We know PACT are on it. We know that it's not straightforward and the injuries and accidents are um, severe when they happen. I think what's also interesting is in a way the kind of delay and I, I don't cast any kind of um, indication of whether it's a good or a bad thing, but um, the delay, partly because of the pandemic, partly because so much else is happening in government, has meant that we are de facto developing a two-strand issue, which is there are very, very many people using private e-scooters on the road at the moment, as well as these legitimate e-scooter trials. And we know that there have been accidents and we know from press reports and indeed uh, from one loyal listener who contacted us, but you know, we know there are also claims that are in the pipeline or are perhaps being considered. And so I suppose 
from a sort of litigation point of view, we know that they're going to revolve around, particularly if they're, pri- I mean, if they're private, there's going to be the issue of legality or illegality um, to contend with. And then looking at, you know, the circumstance of the accident, what's happened, um, how and who is to blame. Um there will have to be some sort of grappling with that illegality point. And also the new changes in the highway code that are coming into force and about which we shall be talking in our next episode, uh, but um, may also have a uh, have an effect on how those claims flow through, but they will be coming. Yeah, because one of the things that the PACS data, one of the, the conclusion that they come to is that trial e-scooter data is going to be diff- very different to private e-scooter use. Um, they're used in different ways, they're used in different places, um, and people are riding e-scooters in very different ways. And that would be, I suppose, my personal experience of watching them on the road. Um, right back when e-scooters were first introduced for the trials, it was very much said that they were probably going to end up being uh, uh, legalised in a very similar way to electric bikes, so therefore it would be a similar age, um, also no need for insurance which is one of the main questions that um, I get asked a lot of the time is about insurance moving forward. But the difference with riding a bike and people ride e-bikes and e-scooters in very different ways. And you're the prime example to say, would you ride them in two different ways? Because whilst I've seen, I see cyclists stop at traffic lights, I see e-scooter riders drive up to traffic lights, jump onto the pavement so they can go across the pedestrian bit, jump back onto the road and then disappear off. Um, and I've never seen a, 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 a bike rider do that they're, they're used in different areas people are riding them on the pavements there's no rules about them um might that might change obviously if things are um legislated but i do think a different demographic and they are used in a very different way to e-bikes i think that's right and i mean we know in terms of the insurance or no insurance mib are very exercised about this as a as a problem because of course they end up picking up um the claims for which there isn't insurance and um you know they, their concern of, of wanting all these scooters to be treated as motorised vehicles with um, uh, uh, with compulsory insurance, or otherwise, it's a sort of potentially significant lag of of um, of a compensation gap, so to speak, that's picked up by perhaps. I mean, and also, you know, what ought to be a diminishing group of car users. I mean, if 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 you know, if if we go the way we have to go for the planet, um, and you have fewer and fewer people driving motorised vehicles, driving cars, that's what cars are, and more people using other stuff. The pool that funds the MIB becomes ever smaller. And if they are declassified as a motor vehicle, so it it stops becoming the MIB's problem, um, and an accident does happen where any scooter rider collides with um, another user, causes some serious injuries. It may be that they're not picked up by their own their home insurance, um, because going back to part of the conversation we had at the start, um, at the moment, e-scooters are um, excluded from most home insurance policies because they're classified as motor vehicles and aren't covered. If they are covered moving forward, there is the potential if uh, e-scooter you're buying an e-scooter from Amazon from some some uh, country abroad, it's not doesn't hit UK standards. If it if that happens and you've got lithium batteries being charged in people's houses left, right and centre and causing fires, there's always the potential that insurers are going to exclude e-scooters as being covered by um, a household policy. Where then it, are people going to end up being picked up if there's an accident? And as you said, it's the the compensation gap. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, MRB have obviously articulated the problem by saying there are potentially catastrophic consequences if you legalise e-scooters without having the requirement for some form of compulsory insurance. So perhaps one thing to consider is whether the insurance goes with the vehicle. And as you buy the e-scooter, you have to have insurance 
at the point of purchase in a similar way to uh, hiring them, whether it's a different uh, policy or not. But who would underwrite that and where that would sit, as you say, is very difficult because if you have it in your house and it's a, you know, a goods you've got in your house, as, as we know, bikes are often a- attached to home insurance. Um, but um, yeah, it becomes increasingly tricky to know what will unfold. Yeah, and it's the third party cover as well. Um, obviously, there's the difference between it cover- um, them covering it, charging it in your house versus if you go out and hit somebody whilst riding on it. Um, oh, absolutely. We've, um, we've covered insurance before, but I think it's quite telling at the end of there's um, a couple of days ago, just before the Lords debate yesterday, um, there's a, a, a an update um, on their website. And at the bottom, it says the government is waiting the outcome of the trials before determining whether the law should be changed. So when you we keep being asked, when is this going to be looked at any further? It keeps getting pushed further and further into the long grass. Yeah, and with everything that's happening at the moment, um, with the government, with coming out of restrictions, with will we end up with leadership th- uh, battles, all of these different things, whether or not this happens, it's definitely not going to happen in the start of 2022. It's going to be much later this year, I think. But it, it needs looking at. But in the meantime, people are using them some rightly some wrongly and are being injured and are having accidents and claims will happen because Mm -hmm. at this rate you're going to have a limitation period knocking on your door before a change in the legislation yeah so there is a lot going on with e-scooters and i know you you laugh at me when i mention them every single time but when i I live in a city where you see them constantly um i'm out on a bike i've got e-scooters overtaking me which might show how slowly i go um and it's yeah the de- job I do and the claims I am seeing, and I am seeing e-scooter claims, is is ever changing, and vulnerable road users are being injured. No, absolutely. I, I'm I'm with you. We see the claims, and I am now one of them. I am one of the tribe. So of course I have an interest in e-scooters. <laughs> do you wear a helmet? Do you put your helmet on when you go out? On well, you see, that's also really interesting. Yes, I do. If I'm making a trip out so you know if I'm going to think oh I'll get a new scooter and go into town but so for example that time I was coming home from work and I thought I'll just grab one I wouldn't have had a scoot I wouldn't have had a helmet on then yeah so that's half an hour very quickly romping through where things are at the moment and probably not covering everything off at all um and I think we will be back here again in six months time hopefully debating the fact that the legislation um, has started being pushed through. Absolutely. I'm sure we shall. And in the meantime, we will be having episodes looking at um, the highway code changes and what impact that might have. And um, and maybe have a little look at helmets as well and see, because that all impacts on the vulnerable road user, which is what we talk about. Well, yeah. Um, And uh, when e-scooter claims come through, uh, I guarantee from a defendant side of things that helmets will be a a very big argument. Absolutely. So what is interesting is the Voy app always encourages you to wear them, and they were offering um, they were offering training and and um, discounted helmets if you took the training. Mm-hmm. But now on my e-bike, I get a twenty five percent discount if I prove I'm wearing a helmet. Yeah, well, it's incentive. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there we are, helmets, helmet, helmets. Look after yourselves, everybody. Thanks for that, Emily, and thank you for being our market tester on e-scooters. Oh, you're very welcome. Always a pleasure to catch up. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Wheel Life is brought to you by international law firm DAC Beechcraft and Barrister's Chambers, 39 Essex Chambers. Discover more articles, podcasts and webinars over at dacbeechcraft.com and 39essex.com.